0: This morning, we're going to be talking about the discipline of prayer. And um, not that titles matter at all, but the title of my sermon is Talking to the Father. So while praying and fasting this week, um, I was just looking for, you know, seeking God for his, his wisdom and his word of what, what should be talked about this morning. And the word relationship just kept coming into my mind over and over, relationship. Many of you know already that know this, but for those of you, you who maybe knew or not, don't know, here at the Sue Wesleyan Church, like our mission is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. A growing relationship with Him. And how does a relationship grow? It's, it's intimacy, it's closeness, it's this close familiarity with, with someone. That's how a relationship grows. And how do we get close to someone? Um... To answer that question, I went to um, John Hopkins University um, online and they had this study called the 12 elements of a healthy relationship. Can anyone in here tell me what the number one thing to a healthy relationship was? Communication, yes, I knew you guys would get it, awesome, yes. Communication is the number one thing for a healthy relationship out of all 12. Anyone in here ever have a relationship uh, this is a rhetorical question. Um, <laughs> let alone a growing one uh, where someone, one of the people, didn't talk ever. They just didn't talk. Yes, okay, all right, okay. <laughs> awesome, okay. Not awesome, but okay, thanks. Uh, so imagine, imagine a newly newly married couple, right? And you get the, you know I love you so much. No, I love you. No, I love you. I love you. Hugs, kisses, puke. Right? Okay. Then imagine you go two days without saying, I love you. Then it goes three days, I love you. Then you go once every week saying, I love you. Once every month, once every year. You see where I'm going with this, where it becomes this thing where then there's no more. Relationships fail in that manner. That marriage isn't going to last, right? So, relationship, communication is the key, is what I'm trying to picture here. It's really funny because... My wife and I, when we had our, our, our first son, Jackson, he's over here so everybody can stare at him, make him uncomfortable. Um, when he was about two, three years old and started talking, having communication with us, um, it was funny and I really don't understand where he got the phrase from, but if we would go a little while without like talking to him, say we were reading or doing something in the house and he'd be playing and would be silent or whatever, he would come over and run to Erica and I and he'd say, what, you hate me? I'm like, what? No, what are you talking about? You know, so, and so it was just this thing, when as he was younger, he would always do that. If we didn't talk to him for a little while, he'd just run and be like, what, you hate me? Like, so now it became this joke between Erica and I, uh, my wife, that like, if we go a little while without talking or texting or Snapchatting each other, we send that message to each other. What, you hate me? And it's just a thing like, hey, we got to, you know, because communication, you have to keep talking. You have to be talking to your partner and anyone in your life. That's how healthy relationships grow relationship between us and God that is prayer prayer is the relationship between us and God you can't have a relationship we just cover it with somebody without communication prayer is the relationship between us and God so this morning for my brothers and sisters out there who love fun facts i have a few there are 650 prayers listed in the bible there's approximately 450 recorded answers to prayer in the bible The Bible records Jesus praying 25 times during his earthly ministry. Paul mentions prayer 41 times. And although prayer can and should be done from any bodily position, there's five specific ones that are mentioned in the Bible. And to help us all see those, I'm gonna have five young men here come up on stage and we're gonna act them all so everybody can see the positions. So number one, is sitting. So you can go ahead and sit, Jack. You can put your hands together if you want like that, like you're praying. Good job. Merrick, yours is kneeling. So you go down on your knees. Hands together. Both knees. There you go. There you go. Yours is laying down on your face. (laughs) This is Hayden, everybody. you got to lay down on your face, Hayden. That's one. (laughs) The other one is hands lifted high. High in the air. Yep, like you're just shouting out, praying to God. And the other one is just standing. So, Kaysen, stand there with your hands together. Come on here so everybody can see you, buddy. Right here. Yeah, now everyone can see you. (laughs) Okay, so we have sitting, kneeling, laying on your face like a penguin. It's kind of weird, but you can do that. Hands up high, standing up. All right, let's give him a round of applause. Good job, guys. Thank you. You guys can go. Now there's many other ways you can pray. Those five in particular are listed in the Bible. There's also nine types of prayer that are in the Bible. There's a prayer of faith, prayer of agreement, prayer of request, prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of worship, prayer of intercession, and prayer, praying in the spirit. And so now that you all have these fun facts locked inside, you feel free to use them whenever you want. They'll help. So if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be looking at the main text is going to be Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Or your device, or your phone. I see some screens lighting up. So before I read from God's word, I'm going to pray real quick again. So if you'd bow your heads with me. Father, this is your word, your holy word. You, the creator, gave this, Lord, It's part of your love for us to guide and direct us in this life, Father, and to teach us how you would have our relationship with you. And Father, would you speak here this morning to everyone through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. So Colossians 4.2, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So now before we dive into the text itself, I want to do a little backstory on this letter. And we know, most of us, as the book of Colossians, and it was actually a letter that the Apostle Paul had written to the church in Colossae. And this letter is known as one of the four, um, by some theologians, the four prison epistles. And that's because he was in a prison cell in Rome when he wrote this letter. And, And it doesn't mean Paul was a criminal. Most of you may know, but for preaching the word, for preaching the good news, telling people about Jesus of that time, you would be imprisoned or even killed. And so this was a time where Paul was preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, and they had put him in a prison cell. So in Colossians 4, 2, it's part of those letters, um, Paul is teaching the believers about prayer. You see, Paul would never write a letter without encouraging and pushing the believers, his brothers and sisters in Christ, to engage in a privilege of prayer. Because it is a privilege for us to be able to speak to the one who created everything. Devote yourselves to prayer, is what Paul said. He's saying to them and to us today to persevere, to be in constant and loyal communication with our Heavenly Father, right? The healthy relationship. Paul was simply saying to these followers of Jesus that If you're focused on praying to God, all of his commands will then fall into place. They'll be like second nature to you if you're devoted to God in prayer. And does that mean like praying every single minute of every single day? It could. You could talk out loud all the time. I don't know if I would close my eyes while you're driving or operating the washer or the, you know, other things. Plugging in your hair dryer, probably not a good idea. But it does mean that your life it's supposed to be devoted to God, that he comes first, that you should glorify him first, that you should worship him first, that you should consult him first in everything that we do in this life. See, God never intended prayer to just be at certain times. He intended it to be this open, ongoing dialogue with him between his creation, his children, and him. That was that's the, the purpose. Between you and the almighty God. Some of us in here have felt this. Have you ever felt this uh, spiritual dryness with God or in your prayers? The best of prayers, people that really pray all the time, that you would say are prayer warriors, they have felt this themselves as well, like unproductive in prayers, almost like when we pray and you feel like your words are just bouncing off the wall everywhere, they're sticking to the floor, they're just not going anywhere. Or feeling anything. What Paul is saying here in Colossians by devoting yourselves to prayer is to push through that, is to not quit, to keep praying I, I once had this, uh, I have a big diesel truck now that everybody teases me about, but I had this other one that was bigger and even uglier and louder in my life. My wife loved it. Don't let her tell you any different. <laughs> On the back, I had a bumper sticker that said, <laughs> said, pray hardest when it's hardest to pray. That's what Paul's saying. When you devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful in it is, when it's hardest to pray, you need to pray harder. You might be thinking too, you know, I was when I first read the, the verse, devote yourselves to prayer. To devote to something is a big commitment. You know, the word devotion, you, um, it's huge, it's a huge commitment. So I had to take a little step back in history and start thinking about ways to understand why we should devote ourselves to prayer. So I wanted to take a step back just a couple of years in Scripture for us to, to get the full picture. So in Genesis 1-1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And from that point moving forward, God would shape and form everything we see, everything we taste, everything we touch, right? Everything we hear. It's all because of our gracious God and his act of creation. And he did it all in six days. Six days. I can't even read uh, half a newspaper in six days when God created everything in six days. And according to the world-renowned researcher, Google, there are over 8.7 million species that live on this earth. Six days, 8.7 million species, and in those species is 7 plus billion people today. In six days, God created the heavens and the earth, and seven plus billion humans. Just six days. And we see us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And it says... So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created us all in his own image. We are all to be the mirror reflection of God in the way that we steward the earth and all the creatures in it. God made man and woman, so we are here to be a mirror reflection in the way we conduct ourselves, in the way we conduct our lives, in the way we conduct our relationships to other people. And a marriage, of course, that relationship, but also with all the creatures of the earth. God created us to live in harmony and peace, but because of the entering of sin at a time, right, we all know that things changed and it got a little messy. But I want you to know this, that God's original plan, his original plan for all of us in creation has not changed. If you look at your Bible today, you'll see in chapter one and two is God's original creation and the rest of the word is to get us back to his creation, to get us back into full communion with our God on a daily, daily basis. God had created us to move, walk, and talk with him daily. Prayer, worship, love, it wasn't something we had to fit into our daily lives. Church didn't have to make programs to have people to teach them how to pray or how to communicate with God, how to love, how to worship. It was just this natural understanding that we had in us for gratitude, for celebration, and for discipline um, to God. And all through the Old Testament we see and everything that Jesus did and then the apostles after him, it was all to get us back focused and to transform our hearts into the original design from God. And we as Christians sometimes we get so caught up in the do's and don'ts of Christianity and we focus so much on religion or this religious tradition that we lose focus or the point Jesus is trying to make up to us all, that our hearts need to be transformed, that our hearts need to be reborn, that our hearts need to be refocused on the communication with him. He wants our hearts living in full communion with him. I want to look at Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. It says, You alone created my inner being. You knitted me together inside my mother. I will give thanks to you because I have been so amazingly and miraculously made. Your works are miraculous. And my soul is fully aware of this. Fully aware of this. The miraculous creation. I mean, it doesn't take much either to see. This is one of my favorite parts is about creation is how you can go to either an airport or let's just say Walmart and just stare, and you can see all the peculiar people that God has made. <laughs> but what's funny that I found the, the best was like, you can go home and look in the mirror and probably find the most peculiar person you're ever gonna meet in your life, right there. But that's God, or God. He loves variety. He loves the peculiar. He created us all unique. And all of us were created for a purpose. God created everything in the world for a purpose, including us. We're not here by accident. We didn't just evolve You're not merely here as a result of a biological process. Sorry. You're here because God made you and he made a plan and purpose for your life. He designed you. It was his idea and God doesn't make mistakes. I'll say that again. It was his idea, his design, and he does not make mistakes. You were planned before you were even born. God wanted you to be uniquely you and that is the you that God wants to offer the world. And I say that because... Some things like, if, you can, you know, if you're considered weird in this life, own it. I am too. You ask my son any day, he'll tell everybody, like, my dad is the weirdest guy I know. Own that. If you're tall, you should own it. If you're short, you should own it. If you're skinny or wide, you should own it. If you're muscly or not so muscly, you should own it. Short, huge feet, maybe they smell really bad, you should own it. God made me this way. Well, maybe you should wash your feet, but. You know, if you talk too much, you don't talk enough. You understand what I'm telling you? You understand? We need to stop trying to fit in to the world, right? We're supposed to be set apart, different. Be the you God created. Stop trying to be someone that everybody else will like. It's not what God wants. God wants you to be the you that he created. And he has a purpose for our life. And what is that purpose? That purpose is because we're all called by Jesus to follow him. The purpose, the main purpose of our lives is to follow Jesus Christ. So it's time that we need to start dedicating our lives to that call. To that call. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving, Paul says. We were created by him to love him and then others. next verse I want to look at is Psalm 119, 73 through 74. You made me. You created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. May all who fear you find in me cause for joy. For I have Put my hope in your word. Fall on you. Put your hope in his word, in Jesus. And then Jesus goes to say in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus said, repent and believe. Repent and believe. He's saying, turn away from sin. We've all heard repent before. Turn away from sin, from doing the dumb, selfish things that we do in this world we need to look to his word and to him in belief, in full faith. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, I want you to listen to this, but to all who have received him, those who believe in his name, those who have listened to what Jesus said in Mark of repent and believe, those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. So now you're not just a creation of God, you're God's children through Jesus Christ. It took me a really long time just now to tell you how God created us. And through the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins, we can be reconciled to God through our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? When we have faith in Jesus and we make him Lord of our lives, we accept him as a brother. We become adopted into the family of God as brothers and sisters, all of us here. God sees us as his children. Through faith in Jesus, we become those children. One who are created and are given the chance to spend eternity with the almighty God who created everything. Like he wanted in the first place. So God's original design, it was for us to worship, it was for us to walk, and then it was for us to talk with him. How many of you in here today are parents? Can I see hands raised? Yes, this sermon's gonna work so good. Okay, good, everyone's present. I really believe that one of the main reasons God gifted humanity with the ability to have children is to teach us about prayer. (laughs) You laugh, but you know it's true. To teach us how to pray and how important prayer is. And I understand in here not everyone has given birth to children, and I'm not just talking about that kind of parenthood either. In here, there are adopted parents. There are foster parents, there's school teachers, there's counselors, there's advisors, and so on and so on, babysitters, people who take care of young ones. I'm not just talking about the children that came out of a womb. You see, when I was growing up, I had two, uh, two brothers, an older brother a younger brother, and we had um, tons of friends, but everyone who came to our house at all times, they called my mom, Mom. Still to this day, my mom will has texts and calls with some of them, they still call her mom. That's the point I'm getting at. We are our mothers and fathers to so many in this life, even if we didn't give birth to them, to be a parent. Now, I get this too, though. We have to face this, that there's some days that the only thing that keeps us from locking our kids in the closet is prayer, is prayer. <laughs> and if any of my friends are here from CPS, it's a total joke. But think about it. It keeps us devoted to prayer. Then it shows us the love of a parent to a child. When my son or my daughter, who is four, Virginia, whenever they are in a room or anywhere and they say the words dad or daddy, I turn into like this German shepherd. Like the hair on my neck stands up, my back goes straight, my already big ears stand up even taller. You know, if you come and you paid attention, where are they at? Okay. And I know a lot of you near are parents. As soon as they say daddy or mom, you instantly pay attention because your child needs you. Your child is reaching out to you. Your child is trying to talk to you. You instantly pay attention. It's this instant thing like, where's my baby? My baby needs me. And I do that all the time, especially with my daughter, and my wife rolls her eyes and just stares at me like, really? She like smoked her hand on the door or something. And you're going like, I'm ready to call the ambulance, tear the house down. We got to take care of this. So, you know, when we hear our kids say mom and dad, we usually can instantly tell, too, how the conversation's going to go. In the manner in which they say mom or dad, or how loud they are, how quiet they are, if it's whiny or not, we almost instantly know what we're going to be talking about with the kid. You always know that. And that's because we know our children, right? So let me ask you this. Do you think you know your children better than God knows you? i do you just ponder on that? We know so much about our children even when they come to us to talk, God knows more about you than that. And if you're willing to love, to comfort, to come running to them when they're hurt and continue to talk with your children, what do you think the Father's gonna do for his children? The one who handcrafted us and created us, that one. God is the Father who wants you to love him the same in return. And the main way we can do that is through prayer. The best and simple expression of our love for God the Father is through prayer, through constant communication with him. We have to talk to Him. Charles Spurgeon, he's a, a famous pastor from the 1800s, who talks a little bit about Colossians 4:2, and he says this: Prayer should be mingled with praise. God is as pleased to give us His blessing as we are to receive it. It is as much to his honor as it is to our comfort. He takes more pleasure in our prayers than we do in his answers. Therefore, we ought to come boldly. We ought to come with thankfulness in our hearts and on our lips and join the hymn of praise with the cry of prayer. Think about how much we love and enjoy hearing from our children or when they come running to us, how much we like it. Sometimes it's stressful, I get it, but you still love it when you know your child relies on you for everything, for their well-being. God loves you way more. That I promise you. He loves you way more. He loves his children and wants you to pray to him to show your love in return. As I've said again and again, I want that to stick with you. Now if we jump back to Colossians 4.2 here, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And I hope now all that time we just spent talking about that, you can see why the word devote isn't such a big word because you know who you're devoting yourself to. You know the one that you're giving your life to. You know the one that you're showing all of your love to. Devote. Now the second part of that verse says, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And a part of me was like, what does that even mean, like being watchful in prayer? I'm like, my eyes are usually closed and all I see is black. So being watchful in it isn't too helpful. But I want to take a look at that. And it made me think praying through this was the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was there. Paul is saying, be watchful in it so that you do not fall into temptation, just like Jesus was talking to his disciples. Paul is saying that temptation is giving into fleshly desires while we should be focused on him. It's a, it's a result of us praying in our weak flesh. And Paul doesn't want believers, any of us or in that time, to fall into this selfish desire of pleading to God for selfish desires to be fulfilled. He says, do it in thanksgiving. He gives the followers a way to fight off temptations while we're in prayer through being grateful for everything. Now, I'm going to walk us a little bit through that passages uh, with Jesus in the garden, and it's Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 42. Starting at chapter 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them, stay here and keep watch. Jesus told them, to stay here and keep watch. God commanded, had given them a command to just stay here and keep watch. Verse 35 starts. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground. As you remember, that's one of our positions. He did the penguin pose. <laughs> Jesus fell to the ground. And he prayed that, if possible, the hour might pass him. And then he cried out, Abba, Father. Father. I want everyone to focus on that. He said, Father, when he prayed. When Jesus would pray, he would start off with Father because he was in full recognition that he was a son or a child of God, just as all of you are who believe in Jesus. He said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Here's an important part of prayer that I want you all to see. Jesus made it clear. He made his case to God. But then he made it clear that God's will for his life is most important. That it's most important, even if it contradicts our plea to God, that his will should trump. But that it's okay to bring our requests to God. In verse 37 it says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When I was reading this through this, um, I thought, you know, Jesus, you know, you're being really hard on our brother. Like you're being really hard on him. Like he's tired. He needs to take a nap. Some of us get that way. Like Jesus, he took a nap in a boat while they were all possibly drowning. Like, come on, man. But then you look into it a little farther and you think about Colossians 4 two, where he says devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. If you really see it, like they were disobeying what Jesus had told them to do because of their own selfish needs. They were tired, so they chose their selfish need of taking a nap over what Jesus had said to them to do was stay awake. But they, being man, being human, didn't realize that Jesus being God knew what was to come. He was about to be kidnapped. They didn't know that. They didn't know that people were gonna be coming and taking Jesus away. So they thought, oh, it's okay, I can take a nap. How many times do we do that ourselves in our own prayers? We go to our own selfish things because we can't see the big picture. We can't see what God is doing in and around our lives. We can't see the future, but God has been there, right? He is, was, is, and is to come, amen? Verse 39. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Here's another little glimpse into he didn't know what to say. How many of us in here, there's times that we might feel ashamed because we disobeyed or we gave up or we've fallen short of God so we're silent in prayer. We're silent when we're talking to God. That's okay. Verse 41. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? And I like to think he shouts here. You see the exclamation points, but enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus here is saying, he's saying it's enough. Enough already. Do what I'm asking you to do. In our praying, we need to be thankful in our requests. Paul's trying to redirect us to stay focused on God by being thankful. That keeps us focused. We need to remember that it's his will that we should be praying for. Temptations in this life can even be as subtle as we see as the disciples of being tired, just being exhausted. And that happens. It really does. We need to be discerning God's will and then being grateful for it in our lives. We're going to look at John 15, 7 here just to see what Jesus says. I don't want us to be focusing on what he is saying about the will of the Father, the will of God. He says starting at 7, if you remain in my words, I remain in you. If you remain in me and my words, remain in you, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. Stay in relationship with God. Keep growing in your relationship with Jesus. Prayer is the relationship. We've established that if we remain in prayer to God in relationship with him, always pursuing his will, then Jesus says, whatever you want, it will be done. So, we have talked about the why we are are to pray, the who we are to pray to, and the manner in which we are to pray. And so like my wife always says to me, I know I brought her up a lot tonight, but she's the one who directs and guides me. She looks at me and says, okay, now what? Now what? So I want to get practical for a minute. Many of you in here already probably have a vibrant and this intimate prayer life um, with set times, set places established, and those sort of things. That's awesome. And in the words of Joe Dirt, I say, keep on keeping on. It's amazing. The most practical thing I could share with any of you this morning is when your eyes are open, when your eyes open in the morning, focus on God. Something I learned from a brother of ours, Pastor Marv, who's starting a church in Kinslow, one of the first things he talked to me about prayer was, he shared a book, and it says in there how this, this pastor would wake up every morning, and this is something that I do, not saying you should, but I put my hands out, and just imagine for two minutes Jesus right in front of you with his hands on yours, and then talk to him. Every morning, and I get it, some of you are in your mind right now, but I got Instagram, I got Twitter to check, I got Snapchat to check, I got my TikTok feed going to Facebook, I gotta see all the likes I got. Don't forget that there's a God who says, I'm right here, I wanna talk to you, I love you. Don't check the likes. Come and check my love. Come and say hi, let's talk. Gotta talk to him every single morning. It should be the first thing we do. Thank you for the breath you've planted in my lungs. This morning I want to go over uh, one tool that, we're gonna, that you can use in your prayer life. And out in the foyer here as you leave, I, I printed off some copies of these. And it has the, the nine types of prayer with the scripture attached to them. So you can see the nine types and where they're listed in scripture. There's also the five prayer positions if you don't remember the goofy boys up here again, the positions. Then there's this acrostic prayer tool that I'm going to share with you now. This acrostic prayer tool, it comes from this awesome book that I recommend to anyone. And yes, there are hundreds of books written on prayer. And if you have your favorite or one you like, awesome. This one's by Pete Gregg. It's How to Pray a Simple Guide for Normal People. And it's just an amazing tool that I love a whole lot. And this acrostic is in it. And I thought, well, it's perfect. So I'm just, why reinvent the wheel here? So prayer, you just use the word pray, pray. Slowing down and centering on your thoughts. When you come to prayer, take a deep breath to start, if that helps. We have so many things going on in our minds, especially like 75% of the room have said they're parents. I know you have 15 other things you're trying to think about. Take a deep breath and try to focus on God. Just try to focus right on Him. Centering your thoughts. The next one is R for rejoice. Adoration and thanksgiving. Being grateful in it, just like Paul says praising God and worshiping him, him in prayer, letting him know. God already knows what's on your heart, but he wants to hear his children say it. The next one is A for ask. It's petition, meditating on God and his word. Oh, I'm sorry, petition. Bringing, forget that. Bring your requests to God, right? Bringing everything you have, just like Jesus did with take this cup from me. He brought us petition to God. Then there's also intercession, praying for the needs of others. In that time, you pray, brothers and sisters who have prayer requests or that you know, for instance, even to this day, is, is the, everyone knows what's going on in Ukraine. Those types of things, bring them to God at this time. And then the why is yield, contemplation. Meditate on God, what he's doing in your life, what he has done, what possibly he is doing. Meditate on his word, what you read that day, and you should be reading his word every day. If you didn't know that, and I didn't say it yet, you should be in God's word every single day. Listening is in the time of yield. Listen for God. And then confession. I know we all have things to confess to God. And at that time, confess to him. You can find these, like I said, out in the foyer today. So before we end service this morning, I'd like to take some time for us to reflect. And on on Paul's letter, he says, Devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I want us to be remembering that we are created by God, and we are created to have a relationship with Him, and that relationship is prayer. By, we, we are made by this loving Father who, who wants the relationship with us, who wants us to love Him back in return. So we're going to play a song this morning, and the words and that will be on the screen. Uh, it's a YouTube video um, by Pat Barrett. And it's called Canvas and Clay. And during this time, I want you to, you can stay seated, you can kneel, however you feel. But I want you just to center yourself and focus on God and be in prayer with him. And if you feel compelled to, you're more than welcome to stand and sing along as well. So let's, let's watch this video.